0: Open your Bible to Luke chapter number 1. Luke, the gospel according to Luke, which I do not believe was written by this Luke. I believe it was somebody previous. But if you did, good job. We're proud of you. We have one of the writers of the gospels on our worship team, which is not really. Luke chapter number 1, verse number 13. I want to teach this morning briefly, but I want to really drive it home. I want you to go in to 2015 believing God, period. I want you to believe what God's Word said says about your life and to remove, extinguish, banish, and wipe out any fear, doubt, and unbelief that you may have. Because the Word of God is true. He does not change. He has not lost His power. He has not grown slack. The Word of God will not return void in your life, which means when the Word of God is applied to your situation, your situation is going to change and get in line with God's Word. When you pray, there are but three answers that you can anticipate from God. One is yes, which we hear most oftentimes. Another one is no, which if you're a good student or a good child or a good servant of the Most High God, you can deal with no. But the third is not yet. And a lot of times in our life, because we live in a fast food generation, we are getting not yet, but we mistake it for no. Like, for instance, many of us are believing God for healings in our body. We're believing God that arthritis would never again cause any harm in our knees, that arthritis would never again hurt our wrists or our hands. We're believing God in the name of Jesus that diabetes has to go and you will not be a diabetic for the rest of your life. We're believing God for blind eyes to open in the name of Jesus Christ. We're believing God for deaf ears to open. And if Jesus Christ comes back tomorrow or Jesus Christ comes back a hundred years from now, we will be believing God that blind eyes will open and deaf ears will hear. We will be believing God that cancer must go in the name of Jesus. Because when it comes to your healing, when it comes to the manifestation of the power of God in your life, there are two options. You either get it immediately or you get it ultimately. Many times there's miracles in the Bible where God heals people instantaneously and miraculously and I love those opportunities. I love those moments. I have personally experienced physical healings in my life instantaneously and miraculously. But there are other things that I have received healings on where it was a not necessarily a process of healing but like the ten lepers that came to Jesus and Jesus healed them, the Bible says that he they were healed as they went which means as they went they were healed. Some things you get healing ultimately, but not necessarily instantly. Our job is not to question whether or not it's going to take place. Our job is to simply believe the Word of God at the Word of God and not go anywhere past that. Our job is to believe by faith because faith is the only way that we have an opportunity to please God. Faith, the Bible says, is the substance. It is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. For instance, if you were to try me in court for some type of a crime, uh, if you were to try me in court for some... Say I was driving 100 miles an hour on Highway 6 and the cop, uh, the police officer uh, gave me a ticket for that and I decided I was going to fight the ticket, the first thing that the judge would say is where is the evidence? He would want to know, do we have any proof that this man did what he said he did? What you're saying he did. And he would show him the the, the thing that, that showed him that the thing was 100 miles an hour when he should have been going 70 or 75 miles an hour. They want the evidence. So what happens is, is we have to understand that in order for you to be convinced of something, there has to be a reasonable amount of evidence. In order for you to be convicted of anything, somebody has to present and promote evidence to prosecute you on that thing. Well, here's the situation that you're in and that I'm in. We have an accuser of the brethren. We call him the devil. His original name was Lucifer. He was an angel in heaven. The Bible says that sounds and winds would come out of him and he was literally like the praise and worship leader in heaven. He was literally the praise and worship leader in heaven and he had jewels that covered him and he was beautiful and he got haughty in his own mind and he decided that he was going to ascend to the side of the north and he was going to sit at the right hand of the Most High and he was going to replace Jesus. But there is no replacement for Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So what happened is is we ended up developing and getting an accuser of you and me, the brethren. The Bible says that Jesus uh, saw him go down from heaven as lightning from the sky and a third of heaven was cast out with him. And that's who you and me are constantly at war with because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So we're in a spiritual battle all the time. So the devil was cast out of heaven with a third of uh, uh, heaven with him. Well, isn't that interesting? That means two-thirds of heaven is still on your side. We have them outnumbered. We have them surrounded. There is no battle that you will not win if we faint not. But the situation is we have an accuser of the brethren. And his job is to present evidence against you that you may be prosecuted. So here's how it happens in the kingdom. Uh, The devil is up there in heaven or or before God in in whatever uh, scenario it is, kind of like a courtroom. and, And the devil comes in and he goes, well, here's Brian Hallam. And Jesus says, yeah, I know, that's my friend. And I say, yeah, hey, Jesus, how you doing? Thank you for saving me. Thank you for washing me with your blood and all those other things. And then you've got the father who's kind of uh, instigating, as a, as kind of filling in as a, as a judge of the sorts. And the devil begins to present evidence and begins to, uh, to tell Jesus and his dad everything that I did. For instance, he would say, I'm not going to tell you all, just so you know. That's where I stop. Because I don't ever speak for the enemy in my life. When I speak, I speak in line with God's Word, not in agreement with the accuser of the brethren. So anyway, he begins to say, He did this, He did this, He did this. And Jesus is sitting there just talking to me. And we're talking about how Walker Lee is such a great preacher. And how my girls are filled with faith and living for God and how I've got such a beautiful wife and how I'm so thankful for my grandfather who preaches and my uncle who preaches and my daddy who preaches and I'm so thankful for my mama who raised me in the fear and admonition of God and I'm so thankful for my family. I'm so thankful for the family that I married into. Me and Jesus just having a conversation while the devil's over here trying to tell God everything I did. And then God says, well, okay, where's the evidence? And Jesus says to him, he goes, and the devil pulls out a book, he goes, well, I've been keeping record, see, I've been keeping record of everything, it's all right here. And God said, well, I don't see anything. And the devil goes, no, no, it's all right here. He goes, wait a minute. Everything he did was written here. And Jesus said, washed white as snow, devil. There's a difference between forgiveness of sin and remission of sin. Forgiveness means that you do not, uh, you are not, you are no longer bound by it, so to speak. So if, if if one of my children does something and they repent or they say they're sorry and they turn from it, I will forgive them, but I can still remember what they did. But when your sins have been remitted, it's like they didn't exist. So the problem the devil has when he's accusing you is he's lost all the evidence. Because the blood is washed white as snow. Luke chapter number one. Here we have a guy named Zacharias. He's in the temple, he's a preacher, he's a priest, he's a Jewish priest, and he's performing the duties that he's called to do at that time, which are burning incense. And he looks over, and lo and behold, there is an angel of God standing next to the altar. And while the angel of god 's standing next to the altar, Zacharias is like you and I would be in that moment he 's petrified because an angel just came in the room and he didn 't use a door or a trap door or anything else. The angel just appeared. so Zacharias is terrified, and in verse thirteen uh, the, the Bible says that the angel speaks to him and says, "Fear not, Zachariah." I could preach there for a week, but I've already hit it for three weeks straight. Fear not. 365 times in the Bible, your Bible says, don't be afraid, or it says, fear not. For every day of the week, you ought to look in the mirror and say, I will not be afraid today because the Bible says I don't have to. Zechariah hears the angel's voice. The angel says to him, fear not. He said, for your prayer is heard. God has heard your prayers, New Heights Church. He has not grown slack or slow in answering those prayers. He has heard your prayers. And the Bible says if He hears, we know He is faithful to answer our prayers. So in the process, our responsibility is to keep believing. The angel says your prayer is heard. He says your wife, Elizabeth, Lizzie, Shall, shall bear thee a son and you're going to call his name John and you shall have joy and gladness and shall rejoice at his birth for he'll be great in the sight of the Lord shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb he said I don't want him drinking any alcohol and he's going to be filled with the Spirit of God if it's good enough for John the Baptist it's good enough for me and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord God, uh, to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. How do I know what you said is going to happen? And now, if I'm talking to Gabriel in heaven one day, I'm okay with when he talked to Mary. I'm okay with the other instances where we see the messenger of God come and speak to Daniel and different things. But I'd love to pick his brain. I'd love to talk him, talk to him. I'd love to chat him up about how he spoke to Zacharias that day. Because the angel of God, who is the messenger of God, who stands in the presence of God and who brings the information to people that God wants him to bring, just spoke the living word of God to a man who was incapable of having children in his old age and told him he was about to have children. And the first thing that the man, who's the priest, who's in the presence of God, who's next to the altar of God, who's burning the incense of God, the first thing that the man said is not, oh boy, thank you. It was, how do I know it's even going to happen? And I don't know if he really did, because I don't know how much attitude angels have, but it sounds to me like uh, Gabriel kind of had an attitude, because he says to him, he goes, listen to me, Zacharias, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God, and I am sent to speak unto you, and to show you these glad tidings. And behold, you shall be dumb. It is dumb to not trust God. And you shall be dumb and not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because you believe not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. You're coming into a new season when what God has spoken into your life is going to be fulfilled. But we can't be like Zacharias. We've got to be like Mary. The Bible says that Mary had a visit from Gabriel and told her, Hey, listen, you're going to have a baby. I need you to name him Jesus. Jesus. He's going to be the Savior of the world, the Son of the living God. Mary didn't say, how do I know? Mary said, how's it going to be? You see, it's okay to question God, but it's not okay to question whether or not God's Word is going to come to pass. Meaning, if God says to you, you're going to be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. If God says to you, your children are going to be the head and not the tail, which He does. If God speaks to you and says you're going to have a business... And it's going to be successful. There's nothing wrong with saying, God, how do I go about it? Where do I need to be positioned? How do I get to that place so that I don't miss an opportunity? God, how do I get here? But the minute and the moment that you start questioning whether or not God is willing and able to perform His Word is the moment that you show Him that you are not trustworthy to to deliver the Word that He's given you. Zacharias is sitting there and he says, How do I know this is going to come to pass? Jesus later teaches and he says, An adulterous generation always seeks after a sign. Zacharias, undoubtedly, I don't think he was a bad guy at all. Jesus, God wouldn't have picked him. But he obviously was seeking a sign. So I can just see Gabriel leaning up against the altar and saying, Okay, Zach, you want a sign? Poof, you can't talk. Because if God can't trust you to speak his word, listen to me. He will never give you a voice. The only thing in my life I've ever known I was going to do was pastor a church. It's the greatest joy outside of maybe marrying my wife, getting saved, having kids, that kind of stuff. All the things you have to say. I love preaching the gospel. It is life to me. These words are so much more than red and black ink, or now I guess digitized words. It's life. He's changed me so many different ways. Ten years ago, I wasn't ready to pastor a church in Bryan College Station. I wasn't a drug addict. I wasn't outlandishly bad. Matter of fact, if you measured me against most people, you'd say that's a really good Christian right there. But there were some things in my life that I had to get through There were some things in my life that I had to learn. There were some things that I had to catch. Did you know you can come to a church like this, a spirit-filled church, where people are serious about the presence of God, with a preacher that teaches from the Bible, and you can be taught all kind of wonderful stuff. But you cannot measure what can be caught in an atmosphere like this. You can't measure what being in the anointed presence of God will do for your life. You can't measure what the presence of God can do for your situation. The only thing I ever knew I was going to do was pastor a church. But in the right season God gave me a voice In the right season God said now Go in the right season God said Meet this person in the right season God Said "Uh, introduce this person in the right Season God said go here in the right season God said here's a house to live in in the Right season God said do this because There's a season when you have A voice and a season that you don't But the reason that you don't have The voice yet is because it's not time For you to deliver it yet so in the right Season and the right time the thing That God put on the inside of you he He's going to bring it to pass. Your job is to believe it. Your job is to believe it, period. Your job is to believe it, put a period, close the chapter, close the book, and never let doubt, fear, or unbelief derail your process of believing what God's going to do and can do through you and with you. Zacharias questioned whether or not God's Word would come to pass. Mary just questioned how, which was to mean, God, I'm interested, I believe you, but I need to know how. Here's the situation. Number one, if you can't speak God's Word, just be quiet. The Israelites walked around Jericho for a week because God couldn't trust them to speak His Word. Until they finally got to the place where God gave them a voice. And by the time they were ready, they were frothing at the mouth so much that God just told them to blow the trumpet and shout and see the walls come down. Speak God's Word over your situation or don't speak about your situation. Don't let the devil use your tongue as a tool against you. Some of you may have never heard teaching like this. Let me just give you a, a brief synopsis. There is a devil. He hates you. He would like to kill you. That's uplifting. <laughs> he hates you. He can't stand you. He tried to kill me several times. Traffic accidents. Different encounters. Guns. I had a gun put in my face one time. Twice, now that I think about it. The devil's been out to get you since the minute you said yes to Jesus. Because the moment that he puts you in eternity, which he doesn't have the authority to do, but the moment that you enter into eternity, you're no longer witnessing for him here, for Jesus here. Therefore, not taking any ground from him. But if you can't speak the Word of God, just be quiet. Number two. Everybody say number two. One of my favorites. Never miss an opportunity to thank God. Have you ever given anybody something and they didn't say thank you? You don't want to give them anything else. Have you ever given somebody something that seems small to you, but they treated it like you gave them a diamond ring or a private island? Thank you. That's such a blessing in my life. Oh, man, I needed that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can't leave that conversation without going, man, I want to bless them some more. The reason is, is because you are in the image and likeness of the one who created you, and that's how he is. How much more so ought we thank our Father for everything? Here's some examples. My little boy, Walker Lee, whom I love and I am very pleased with was walking down the stairs at our house, which are very steep. They're wooden. He was wearing his cowboy boots because this boy doesn't play with Barbies, I promise you. And he hung one of those goat rope and boot heels on the stairs, and I watched him fall face first down the entire flight of stairs. I watched his high, hi, his, almost said hiney, I watched his rear end almost touch the back of his head because he bent the wrong way. Which I'll show you. I was like, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And my heart was in my throat because I watched my little boy falling down the stairs and the only thing I could say was, Jesus! And he lands in a pile at the bottom and I run down there and I grab him and I pick him up and I said, are you okay? He said, yes, sir. I thought I was going to pick up a bag of bones. And I said, baby boy, that's the Spirit of God protecting you. Let's pray. And we thank God right then. Another time, just a couple of weeks ago, I'm in the woodlands about to walk into a meeting. I'm in a parking garage, and the phone rings, and it's Crystal. Answer the phone. And she said, everything's okay, but I have to tell you something. I said, okay. She said, Walker Lee was choking in class on a grape. And the teacher had to do the Heimlich to get it out. I said, oh my gosh. The first thing I said was, let's pray. I said, thank you, Father, for protecting my children. A moment that could have been all kind of trial and tribulation and all kind of uh, worry and all these other things that the devil intended was nothing. Do I think the devil put a grape in my son's mouth? No, he loves grapes. But I'm not giving him an inch and I'm giving God all the glory all the time, period. I went the next day to the teacher and I walked Walker Lee into his kindergarten class. Miss Houghton's her name. And honestly, she might be an angel. And I said to her, I said, Miss Houghton, I said, thank you so much. I said, I heard about what happened with Walker. She got emotional and she said, she said, oh, you have no idea. She said, I had no idea it was happening. And he was over in the room, over on the side of the room playing. And another little boy came over and said, "Miss Houghton, something's wrong with Walker. And he was doubled over. His face was turning purple and red already. And she said, I, I, I'm trained in you know, first aid and all that other stuff. She went over there and I did it and popped out just like how it thought, just like how they trained you. And I said, well, I thank you. I said, I consider you a blessing. Just the other day, I'm driving down Highway 21. And I'm driving, just not really thinking much. I don't remember what I was thinking. But, but there, was a, there was something beside me. I didn't know it. And I heard this loud boom. And this big oil-filled uh, tank that was in the back of a truck, it was wrapped in metal, I guess, so they can pick it up, uh, flew out of the back of this truck. The thing was huge. It was as big as my truck. Flew out of the back of this truck and banged literally right next to me. And five seconds, if it had happened five seconds later... It would have either hit my truck, I would have hit it, or I'd have had to run off the road to not hit it. The first thing I said was, thank you, Jesus. You never know what God is protecting you from. Never miss an opportunity to thank God. Mary walked into Elizabeth, her cousin's house, who was great with child-having John. And the minute she walked in, John on the inside, an infant baby, leapt in her womb, and she began to magnify God, thanking God. As soon as she was done, the Bible says that Mary began to magnify and thank God, never miss an opportunity to thank God. We were driving down Interstate 45, running about 70, 75 miles an hour down south of the woodlands. There's about four or five lanes wide anytime. Most of the time it's going slow, in my experience, but that day we were moving pretty good. And we're driving past an 18-wheeler. We're just passing it just normal. Nothing uh, outlandish about it. Our back bumper gets to its front bumper. And we hear an explosion that sounds like a grenade going off. And the front left tire of that 18-wheeler blew to pieces. But it didn't just blow to, piece, it blew to pieces. It blew the front end of the truck off. All the, all the sheet metal or whatever it is. Just boom. Like, like, literally like somebody put a grenade in it. And that front left tire of that truck dug into the concrete and it snatched it immediately into the lane that we were in. Couldn't have missed our SUV by more than a foot or two. I grabbed Crystal's hand. I said, let's pray. We began to thank God for protecting us again. Listen to me. In 2015, I want you to do a few things. One is never doubt God. Never speak for your enemy. And get very, very good at thanking God for what He's done and what He's going to do. Give God a hand of praise right there. We thank You, Father. Number three, God puts life in your barren places. He puts life in your barren places and He specializes in the realm of the impossible. Elizabeth couldn't have a baby. She was barren. But God says, That's just the place that I want to operate because when I operate in the realm of the impossible, I and I alone can get the honor, the glory, and the praise for it. If God's called you to do something bigger than you can do, you're almost sure, you're almost sure that that's the, that's the voice of God in your life. He'll never call you to something that you can complete on your own. He'll only call you to something that He can complete if you will do what He asks you to do. Some of you have relationships that seem dead. Maybe you're still in communication and all those other things, but there's no life in it. In Jesus' name, in 2015, God's going to put life in the barren relationships in your life. In 2015, He's going to put life in the barren places of your business, in the barren places of your career, in the barren places of your prayer life, in the barren places of your joy. At night, when you say, I hadn't had a good night's sleep in weeks or months, God's going to put sleep in your future. He's going to put rest in your path. He's going to change your situation because what God does is He takes an area where there is no life that everybody says there can't be life. And then He says, that's exactly where I'm going to put life. In your life and in my life, in 2015, God is going to do the supernatural. He is going to change situations. This threshold of a new year, it changes everything. This is a year of increase. This is a year of return. This is a year of supernatural anointings and power that you haven't experienced. But the situation that you have to be involved in and the understanding that you have to get is it's up to you on what you will believe. God's Word is not a maybe it's not a probably. It is an absolute and finite thing that will not return void in your life. But a believer's responsibility is to take the doubt and unbelief that shows up between your ears and return and replace it with faith and belief in the power and the presence of God. To change your situation, you have to change your thinking. To change your thinking, you have to change what your mind is watered with. You have to water your mind with the water of the Word of the living God. You have to make sure that when the doors are open, you are getting to the presence of God. You've got to make sure that when God finds you, He finds you busy doing kingdom work. What's kingdom work? Hey, my name's Brian. What's your name? My name's Billy. Great, Billy. Where are you from? I'm from Newton. Oh, Newton's a neat place. Nobody lives there on purpose, but it's a neat place. Hey, Billy, where do you go to church? I don't go to church, but I've been looking. Tell you what, I go to a pretty good church. What's it called? New Heights Church. New Heights Church. Where does it meet? In a theater. In a theater. you got to be kidding. Me. Yeah, I know you get popcorn at Starbucks. It's crazy. But anyway, here's a CD with some music I'd love for you to come and experience. Billy walks down that hall right there, turns, walks up some stairs and sits down, not sure about it because he doesn't understand all the lights and doesn't understand why we put the drummer in a fishbowl. But Billy's there anyway. And then all of a sudden, the band starts playing. And the band starts playing. He goes, Wow, I think that might be Luke, the guy who wrote the gospel. But no, it's a different Luke. And he starts praying. And then all of a sudden, somebody says, Hey, let's let the prayer partners come up. And then And somebody like you grabs Billy by the hand and said, Billy, what can I pray for you about? And the power of God that you have been believing for comes through your hand and into Billy. And Billy said, I just want to be close to God again. And you pray. Billy probably cries. He walks back up by the end of the service, he has rededicated his life to God. And his whole family dynasty is changed forever. This is our job. This is what we're called to do. This is why we do all this. We don't need a social club. They have country clubs and VFWs and all kind of wonderful things for that. We need the power and the presence of God. We need the anointing of God. And it's contingent upon our ability to believe. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 45, last scripture. Blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Blessed is she that believed, Blessed is she that believed because what she believed there will be a performance of. There will be a performance of what she believed. She will receive what she believes. She receives what she believes. She does not receive what she does not believe. In 2015, believe God. The Bible says in Matthew that Jesus healed two blind men And he said it very interestingly. He said, according to your faith, you're healed. There was a centurion who comes to Jesus and said, would you heal my servant who's in my house? And Jesus said, according to how you believe, it's done. You've got to believe the Word of the living God. Last point, and it's a question. If in 2015 you received everything that you were believing God for, what would you believe? What would you receive? If the new year comes and in 2015 you receive everything that you are believing God for, what will you receive? Will you receive the manifestation of the healing that you've been believing God for. Will you see that loved one come back to God because you really believe that you and your whole house will be saved? Will you have more than enough because you believe that He supplies your needs according to His riches and glory? Zachariah looked for a sign and he got one. Because he showed that he couldn't be trusted to speak God's Word. Mary simply said, Oh, awesome. I'm going to be Jesus' mom. How's it going to happen? She just believed. In 2015, don't ever doubt again, He's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. His anger was extinguished with three nails 2,000 years ago. You don't come to Jesus on your own good deeds or works. You come to Jesus because the blood of the Lamb has completely removed your trespasses. Your job now is believe. When you invite Billy to church Invite Billy Believing he's going to come When somebody at the water cooler Begins to tell you about their migraine headaches I double dog dare you To say well let me just pray for you if you don't mind And then pray Believing God That those migraine headaches The word migraine is a word, it's the name of a type of headache, and there is a name that is above every name, that can be named, and that's the name Jesus, so that migraine headache has to go. When you pray, believe what you pray, and you'll receive it. 2015 is going to be a year for the record books in your life and my life. But your job, simply put, is to believe. Stand to your feet, please. I'm going to pray a special blessing over family.